This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 30. This episode features Tim Shea. Tim Shea is a comedian. He has a weekly show called uh, Whose Mic Is It Anyway? That's every Monday night at the Footlight Bar in Ridgewood. Um, very funny guy, very smart dude, um, interesting backstory, and I had a great time chatting with him. Um, we kind of went all over the place. Like We talked about what he does, but we talked about the world, we talked about philosophy and and art. And yeah, I had a great time talking with him. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Let's check it out. This is in the Rack Shack where I record all of my interviews. The Rack Shack is a body positive lingerie store in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Without further ado, Tim Shea. Let's have a conversation. So, how you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm delusional. I had such crazy dreams. There are these plane, these like, I was like looking at like JFK and the planes coming, and then this thing that like was not a plane. It was like a freight kind of plane thing. It had like different sections. Uh, it was coming in, and then it was a bomb, and then it just Ooh. blew up uh, JFK, and there's like shrapnel everywhere. Shit. Was, yeah. And yeah. And that was like 10 minutes before. I was like, that's why, like, while I was snoozing. That's. Gary, because I feel like three years ago, I don't know it was different three years ago in the world, but um, three years ago, that type of dream like would kind of be like, oh, that, that wouldn't happen, blah, blah, blah. But now, when you're talking about it, it's like, I could see that happening. Like, <laughs> like that, that like doesn't keep me up at night in general, but um, I could see that happening, and that does frighten me, so... Yeah, yeah, hopefully that's not um, a premonition or a omen of bad things to come. But um, yeah, but it's a crazy, intense. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm prophetic. You know, I, I, I don't <laughs> think that that that's what it was about. That'd be horrible if I just dreamed about bad things and then they all happen. I don't. You know. Yeah. What, they'd someone would have to take me out if someone murdered me. I'd I'd, I'd have to be okay with it if that if, was yeah i mean if that's what the, i was accursed with you, you know yeah you would have to be like what else probably could taken be? out like you have to enemy be, of you'd the have state to, well you have to just accept the russians whatever. would capture me and then like <laughs> feed me like things to have like you know weird more lucid dreams and then i don't know if i believe in prophets per se like i don't i don't, I don't believe or not believe but uh if if you're going to follow the logic of prophets though, like, so if prophets are possible though, right. then I do. And I do kind of think this, that there is, there are things that um, humans can tap into, like anybody can tap into. And so sometimes maybe certain people tap into them more, but I do kind of think there might be something to a universal consciousness, like a subconscious intelligence that is part of our own conscious subconscious absolutely well yeah no yeah we are we are not masters of our own minds by no no stretch of, of the imagination but but i just i just thought you know right after 
I was like, did that just happen? Yeah. Because that would ruin my life. Maybe literally. Like, (laughs) you know, like we live in New York. So depending on what kind of situation that is, I don't know the miles, you know, from the radius you'd have to be to like survive Mm -hmm. the initial impact, you know? Maybe we'd be okay. I think Bushwick is pretty, pretty like strategically located. I think we'd be all right here in Bushwick. It'd be like kind of, you know. Yeah, it's like the same. Yeah, we don't really. We, all we really have to worry about in Bushwick is is uh, Texas seceding. And yeah. You remember? Did you see the the movie Bushwick? I didn't. I haven't seen that yet. Oh, don't actually. don't watch it. I mean, I I haven't watched it. I actually, I think with the sound off, I watched. It. I think it's, it's I might need to put it on though, at some point just because. Yeah, just, just because there's like one like one like uh, uh, what, what's like a what's like a Bushwick hipster like a like a Bushster or like a you know that's a good I don't know if they're a Wickster 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 right I don't know I feel like that it hasn't really been coined like that but that's like know? the that's the apex of like even more than uh, Williamsburg especially now right like the real hipsters are the ones with the with the the bird on their shoulder, well, it's in, crazy. In the airport, like the, right? yeah, like it's crazy. Williamsburg has been priced completely. No, yeah, yuppies. Like it's not like the yuppies of the of the yuppies. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they don't even they don't even care about the L train. They 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 yeah. Uber pool. Yeah, you know, or not even pool. They yeah. they have an Uber with a pool in it. You know what I mean? Like that's these guys. Yeah, <laughs> they 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 pay in so much uh, rent. You could buy a property with, with the amount, you know what I mean? You pay yeah. a mortgage, but they don't care. This money is, it's, it's going, it's fluent, you know? Yeah. They want a, they want a, a tiny a, apartment for what, whatever, I don't know how much they pay a, a month. 5000 5000 For a studio. For a studio. Yeah. You know, you got your little room, you yeah. know, 20 fl- floors up. You got your, your oat milk. You know, you're chilling. <laughs> that's, that's their, you know, paycheck to paycheck. They're not, they're not worried about it. But, yeah, you know, that's all right. That's their life. I get to judge them. So many people are, have uh, so much judgeability. I love it. Yeah. You know what I mean? How could I ever know that I have value if, I, if there weren't all these schmucks that I get to judge? You know? I mean, there are ways I could just value myself, probably. Well, so let's talk about that a little bit. Um, so, I know you through some bars and restaurants originally that we've uh worked in and hung out around and yeah we worked we both worked at 983 yeah um and i worked more with uh laura we both also are married to women named laura that's right yeah uh, started businesses and so you know got a lot in common man don't Um, we yeah yeah uh and but I remember, like, I knew I knew you, but, like, we never really worked, like, side by side. We kind of worked adjacent in a way. Yeah, we were adjacent. Yeah. We were, we were passing ships. Exactly. Um, you were bartending, and I was uh, food delivering, and, like, you know, we were cool, but we'd be like, what's up, you know? Yeah. Kinda, like, and then, like, mo- like, you know, I don't know how long, how long were you at, because I was probably at 93, like, the first year, I think, and then was pretty much all the way done like after the like i was there right. at life cafe before you were like the you were like one of the, like the celebrity celebrity like, you know you came came in bartended a little bit <laughs> and you're like all right i'm peace yeah i'm no, out just drop the mic you know boom like, drop the glass said all i can say yeah 
Um, but I was there for a while. Yeah. So, and so then Laura was still there. So th- that's what I mean. Like even adjacent, like, um, like even I wasn't working there probably the bulk of the time you were, even though Laura was there, I'm still in the neighborhood and like yeah. I have a lot of friends that worked there. So we knew each other. Yeah. And then through our Laura's coming together and combining their forces on different great things in the world. Uh-huh. We'd hang out at some parties. Um, That's right. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The parties. Yeah, well, yeah. You, you would throw some great parties in the backyard on the hors d'oeuvres and stuff. I think remember I'm the one time it. it was raining like crazy. Yeah, I think and, uh, I think one's coming up again. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, it's, my birthday is coming up in August, and yeah, I want to I want to have yeah people over. I got a grill now, um, so yeah, it'd be fun. But um, but I remember like I always thought you were cool, but like we didn't get to know each other like kind of it was like i got to know you over five years i feel like you know yeah what I mean? yeah it's a slow burn exactly and then one day like it just like we just woke up and we're like oh hey yeah. hey yeah you yeah, yeah. Right. you're you know and we i like shook each other's hand for the first time we're like oh yeah that you're you're a person yeah i don't yeah. know how <laughs> how or why that happens i'm sure there's like a, a moment but yeah I had a roommate one time, and this is, like, when I moved to Bushwick, I, I lived in uh, McKibben for, like, three and a half years, mm-hmm. and great spot, actually. We had, like, a two-floor thing. 248 or, or the one across the street? It was 255. Oh, the um, shittier one. Well, right. we had a two-floor, we had a two-floor um, loft, loft, yeah, and it was pretty fucking dope. Um, yeah, the building, but it doesn't, like, you know what I mean? I don't really care about the building, no. per se. Yeah. Um, but that particular loft was, was dope. Like I liked everything about it. I right. liked the rawness about it too. But, um, we had like six roommates uh-huh. and certain times like that I was there, there'd be like a solid group for like a while. But like, even when I first moved in, um, there were these two different, uh, Japanese roommates, like one, mo- he was like a sushi chef and the other was like a designer. Uh-huh. They were like the best fucking roommates ever like a sushi did he make sushi yes one day? night he's like oh, do you like sushi it's just like yes Is that a sushi like, i'm gonna vendor. make some sushi would you like some it's like absolutely thank yeah. you very much yeah awesome um but they moved out like within like the first few months and like so basically the time i was there like a lot of people came and went uh-huh. and i had another roommate uh michael and he was there for a while and because there was so much um, traffic in and out, uh, certain roommates that would come in, like Mike would say, "What's up to me?" And I asked him, I was like, "Yeah, what do you think of you know so and so school?" He's yeah. like, "Oh, I don't talk to anybody until they're here for more than like a month or two months, yeah, whatever the number was." But he was just like, "Yeah, I don't acknowledge them because." Like, I assume they're going to, like, come and go. And, oh, I see. Yeah. So they might break his heart. You know, you exactly, never know. You know? The heartbreak is what they walk so we don't, us. we don't acknowledge or recognize that we're people and other people are people sometimes to protect our, our feelings. I see that. our heart. But I, but I think, I'm sure you experienced this, is that you, you, you know, bartending and stuff, people... You, you know them on a provisional level, right? And yeah. you recognize their face and you, and you have a sort of impression of their energy, mm-hmm. uh, but you don't, know the, you don't know their name or their last, you know? And so all the time, like in, oh, in, yeah. in Ridgewood, all the time I see people 
And I just smile and, and wave at them. I'm like, hey, you know, just preemptively because I'm like, but now I've found that, you know what it is, is that people will do that to me and I uh, uh, feel like Obligated uncomfortable or, by it. Yeah. So I want to, so I want to impart the same uncomfortability to strangers. <laughs> like they, like I remember them, but they don't, but actually we don't know each other. Well, and so um, the other thing I was going to say about getting to know you is um, I remember the first time I saw you do comedy Oh, comedy. And it was yeah. at um, Pine Box, and your, oh, yeah. your Laura was there, and she was like, yeah, Tim's going to perform. And I'm like, all right. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I didn't, that was not the worst. That was, okay. It yeah, was I good. That. And um, And she's like, yeah. She, you know, she talked to you up as, as, you know, a good partner in crime, you know, right. should. But, like, still, when you know it's that person's, you know, she significant other, um, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. She should have said that I was that shit. We say well, this well but then I wouldn't. Have, then I, you know, she, she knew me. Like then yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have uh, stayed. You, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, Except, yeah. You know, maybe I would have, but like again, we weren't at that point. I think we weren't even. Su- like we didn't. I, like I feel like I got to know you after that. That was actually it. That was and, the point. Well, that's the thing about like with bartending and with that. Um, provisional knowing people in that role, like certain people you get to know better. The ones that you get to know better who know you as a bartender are the ones who understand that you're a human being, yeah. <laughs> like that you're not just a bartending robot and uh-huh. genuinely kind of like engage in conversations with you, even mm-hmm. though you might not at the time be able to fully engage with them because you are in the role of like bartending. Right. So, you don't always have time to like fully engage right. because you're doing a job. Right. But if they understand that, then those types of people tend to connect with you quicker. Right. And it, it helps if there's some scenario, at least one outside of the bartender yeah. patron relationship where you can have you, you know, because there, as you know, like there's a lot of situations where people think that they're engaging a bartender, but what they are doing is annoying energy suck. <laughs> yes. Uh, vegetarian vampires. I like to say, you know what I mean? And they I, are making enemies of bartenders everywhere. Like yeah. some people have no idea. And Show, it's hard. Showing you their memes. Yeah. I got one guy and he's like, check out his memes are not even that good. Yeah. They're not even that good. And that's all you do. That's, you know what I mean? I, I hope that he's not listening. Well, we, we won't shot him out, you know? Um, because there's another guy who shows you memes that are good and like, you know, that's cool. Like I'm, ma- you know, I'm making, maybe making this person up, maybe not. Maybe you were talking to me before we got rolling about this other guy who also makes memes and it's like, it means a lot to you. So you it know, means a lot shout to out me, yeah. to that guy, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, but the thing with it, like, so you being doing comedy also and bartending Um, I feel like with comedy or I feel like with any art form, um, but especially like performance art, uh, people do get an insight into who you are more than bartend. You know what I mean? Because Mm. it's you at your, it's you choosing to express yourself in a, in a certain way, you know, versus like bartending's great and I love it in that like there's a lot you learn cause it's constant engagement with people. Uh-huh. Um, but you're 
like you can be yourself as a bartender for sure. I'm not saying that, but you still, you can't escape sometimes. Like you can't escape the, like you have to stay engaged versus um, when you're doing your thing and your element um, or things or whatever. But like when you're, if you're doing comedy, then it's you in an element that you enjoy and like are choosing to be in and choosing to engage with, with a crowd of people. Yeah. Um, and so then I'm sure like probably walking around, it gets hard. It gets hard for me. Like when people, you know, sometimes people ask where they know you from and it's like, well, you probably either know me bartending or you might've seen me at a show. Um, that's it. And I'm not sure. Like, All right. you look, some of them look vaguely familiar. Some of them do not at all. Like, there are people who for sure have, you know, I've run into. And I, you know, didn't understand that that could happen before. But, you know, sometimes you run yeah. into people that definitely know who you are, know your name, maybe right. know some things about you. So no, you must I, have... I forget people. It's astonishing. Mm-hmm. I forget people immediately. You know, yeah. the most embarrassing thing. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i the worst bartender. I got, I got uh, you know, grandfathered or grandmothered. Well, I can't really compare my wife to grandmother. I got... I got I got a key in yeah. because my wife owns the bar. Yeah. And then I'm begging her, can I can I work here? She said, No, 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 that's a horrible idea. Of course I know it's a horrible idea. But I but but anyway, like it's my own it's my only kind of in, so then you know I get in. But what what I'm saying is that like I will take an order and then I'll forget someone right there on the spot. I'll forget their <laughs> face. I'll go to the next guy and say, This is here's your change. No, 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 it's it's this guy's change. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, but it's also kind of a defense mechanism because it's like people want you to remember them all the time. They want you to remember their order and they want you to, them to remember their little anecdote and their name and all this. But I, also, but I think it's, it's in the economy of speed, especially you're deal, dealing with volume, it makes ma- way more sense to forget everybody. Yeah. You're all the, you're all the same. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, bud. Sorry, uh, lady, you yeah. know. It's, uh, it's, it's just, you know, you're just, you're just, uh, money and, uh, and, and, uh, ingestion. Mm-hmm. It's just liquids going in, money coming out. You know, <laughs> if I think too much harder about it, now I'm thinking, is it Susan or, or, you know, or, or, or Sandra? I don't, I'll blow my fucking brains out. I don't got the mental capacity to be that kind of like, you know, but but that's I guess it's like different different bars too. You know what I mean? You work at you know some sort of cheersy place or something. You want, you really are gonna, you know. And then you know, and then there's people who, who make it so you'll remember them. They'll just they they'll just keep they'll coming like, remember at Remember me. Remember me. You know what I mean? They'll put put their name on tattoo it on their forehead. You know. But um, yeah, man. Yeah. Um. And that's Footlight, Footlight. Just to give a shout out, Footlight. To yeah, shout out to Footlight Community Center for the Arts and Music and Comedy and uh, Juggling and Interpretive Dance or whatever. And, and you host—is it a weekly show? I do. Yeah, every Monday, eight thirty. Whose mic is it anyway? Is a, is the tenant? And I, I, I name it that because. Is that is that the name it always was or no? It changed. There's a whole the changing of the tides. It gotcha. Used to be a different. We don't we don't have to. 
No, we don't go into micropolitics. <laughs> right. Open mic. And there are open mics. There's a whole saga of, you know, uh, always with open mics, it's, it's been that way, you know? And when, so, when, so whose mic is, so we'll talk present. So whose mic is it? Whose mic is it anyway? Whose mic is it anyway? Spelled like with M I K E because it you know has the I. It's like line. I and, know is, and is it um, is it comedy or is it everything? It is everything, but stre- like like I want more everything. Right. You know, I want it. It's I really uh, I come. I guess I don't know if you can call it from a tradition, but. In a, you know, in the in the Lower East Side, I had, I, I okay, so I I came to New York. I was spoken word guy, right? I was I was came from the Minneapolis spoken word scene. I was on their national team, whatever is the alternate, you know, it's no no biggie. But I was I was trying to, you know, basically I was like a rapper who who is better at making the raps into spoken word than rapping. And right. I was like, oh wait, I can just do this. And it was all about social currency. It was never about like some elated, like I was Rilke, like channeling the divine into my work. I never felt like that. It was, it was all, it was all how maybe if I do this poem, these people will like me. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was, you know. But anyway, so I came to, to New York doing spoken word and stuff. And I kind of like went to the spoken word open mics uh, in, in New York and uh uh, bar 13 and all these, and it was, it was great, but I was like, what is, you know, is this something happened, some sort of tectonic shift happened in me artistically where like I sort of unraveled and the city sort of unraveled me and I couldn't like, I couldn't recalibrate my sense of, uh, personhood as a poet in the city in the same way, my certain, uh, dignity of identity in the same way I could in the Midwest. Cause in mm-hmm. the Midwest, like we're very proud and you, and you just, you mark out your name and everyone's like, okay, that guy does that. And you come to the city and it's like the GPS has gone haywire in your artistic alignment or something, you know, but then I started finding all these other open mics, uh, that were just lunatics went there. Yeah. Just like 40 year old drunk lunatics. And, and what it was that they did one person, well, a lot of like people like roll and like naked and like cellophane on the stage. It's like everyone was trying to outdo each other with like just some crazy shtick. Yeah. And there was no, some of, some of them got like famous and there were some comics there, but really it was outdoing each other just with this insane energy just to do it in this sort of insular community where there's not really. You're not gunning for fame. Mm-hmm. And, and I loved that. I loved a situation where you felt like the whole thing was, like, no one's going to die, but it's, like, out of everyone's control. And, like, what is this person doing? And I feel like that kind of scene is dwindling, you know? I mean, this is my, like, my like uh, manifesto for the open mics or whatever. It's like, right. I would really love to encourage that sort of total mixture of different art forms that can foster something that is none of them. Mm-hmm. And someone feel comfortable just doing kind of like, like their weird, perverse, performative fantasy. That person who's not a performer, but wants to dress up like a dinosaur and go in a kiddie pool full of jello. Although that's messy, 
I want that them to do that. Right. You know, like we, you know, Lauren uh, Piper. Yeah, I don't know her really well. Right. But she's like, in a band too, right? She's in Hot Mess yeah, with yeah, my yeah, wife. Yeah. And yeah. I, I know who she is, right. but I don't. I don't know her, but I know who she is. Again, ships passing. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know. Uh, but she had. She's the perfect example of this. She has always wanted to tap dance while doing menial tasks. And we we're like, she was like, asked me one time, do you think it would be a good idea if I tap dance while putting on lipstick on stage? And I was like, yeah, you just, you're, you're, yes, you know, of course, you know, and she did. And, it, and it's, and it, and it kills, it kills when people just go, you know, with, with no template for like, how am I supposed to do this? And then just do it. And, you know, and, you know, and so she did that. She, one time she ate a full pint of ice cream while tap dancing. Be still my soul. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is, this is what I want. So, so, yeah, so in any case, like that, that's what I would like to foster in general. And I also think that for, for comics, you know, any, any too, too many of the same people doing the same thing kills the mic. Like right. if I go to sidewalk and it's three hours of singer songwriters, right? They all know that this is that they're doing kind of circle jerk in a little way. No, you know, it's not. It's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, that's like interesting idea though. Also, like, um, like I'm kind of, uh, and and interesting hearing your backstory with like being a poet, and it makes sense to me because I know it might seem like it's dwindling, and I know how. Like I've gone through similar, been in similar communities where you were there when it was like crazy. You, mm. you saw the magic happen, um, and you know, and you see it happen again sometimes. But you know, scenes change, they rise, they fall, like they grow, they they change. Mm-hmm. But um, I do think that there's something because when when thinking about when people talk about. New York in the 80s, New York in the 60s, New York in the 70s, New York in the 40s. It's always nostalgia for right. what was before, but I right. think it remains a place where like if I were to explain to somebody maybe if they were listening to this podcast and they were like in the Midwest or if they were like in Seattle where I'm from mm-hmm. um or just somewhere else and kind of feeling like they want to go to New York. Um, and maybe they're a poet, maybe they're a singer, maybe they're an actor and they're like debating, they know they want to leave wherever they are at a certain point and they're debating like New York or LA. Um, LA is really cool too. So I'm not saying this to like shit on LA, but LA is the place where people go to get famous. Right. Um, like that's just a fact. Like even people from New York go there eventually. Um, um, and so that's not a knock cause there's really good, I, I like LA a lot actually right. too. But the thing about New York as an artist, I think is if you really want to be an artist and if you just like, I don't want to define what that is for anybody, but to me, it's like, if you want to be an artist, New York is the place to come because because of the energy, because of the people stacked on people, because of like your GPS will go haywire because as opposed to being in a scene, like, so if you're somewhere else, like, and you're in the poet scene, you're in the poet scene. Whereas in New York, it's like, 
witch poet scene and the poets in that are doing other things. So it's like, I think New York is a place where you come and you kind of discover who you are as an artist and you grow as an artist here. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of it is about like what you were saying, pushing the boundaries. So it's like, it's not that everything has to be, uh, it's not that every performance you do has to be you naked rolling in cellophane, but like if you're kind of always doing the same thing, there's nothing wrong with that. Like you'll get better at doing that thing, but don't limit yourself. Mm. Like you can do more. So it's like, yeah, you want to tap dance and put on lipstick. You have this idea. Yeah. Do it. Like do it. And, and you'll like, you'll get something like something wonderful will happen by doing it. And like, there's something about New York that I feel like this is the place to do that. Like people, people, there's going to be an audience that like gets it and appreciates what's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I, a lot. Okay. A couple of things. I, I think that, uh, first of all, what happened to me was a sort of destitution of my artistic subjectivity that I never recovered from because I don't think I was prepared to be fierce enough to make it off the bat. Although I, although I was kind of gunning for it, but that's, but that's that, you know, that's, that's on me and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that, you know, it, it's just, there's so but again, many, like, I think like, cause I'm going through the, and kind of like reevaluating everything. And I'm kind of back to where I like, in a way I'm back to where I was when I first moved to New York. Me too. And, right now. Yeah. And with it, it's like all, all of that stuff. Like I recognize that there's a certain aspect of it. That's like, we get in our own, like it, it is all on me, but it's also like, the idea that you come here and you're going to quote unquote make it like some, like that idea is it's not, it's not a bad idea, but the problem with it is it's hard to do that without kind of comparing yourself to others. So your idea of making it, usually your idea is based on somebody else's story Uh and it's not your story. So you're trying like you're or other people you're kind of holding yourself up to other people and trying to to do or get what they have and you're never going to be good enough to do what somebody else is doing you know what i mean yeah. like you have to find the that thing yeah i mean that's going back to i think some some comedy mics yeah. are yeah. are become very stale because they're sort of a a a uh, uh, shared template for what is and what isn't funny. You know, I know I know some mics where it's like everybody knows everyone else's jokes, right? And then if you come in and you do something different, it's like they'll they're it's like they're unnerved by that. You know, it's like they don't like that. They're uncomfortable. You know, like I think that New York, if you're if you have a predilection to crack the coat. Like for, yeah. for, for, for a brief time, I was like, you know, I went on, I went online and I found all the mics and I said, all right, I'm going to go to Harlem. I'm going to go to the Bronx, you know, 
who knows what's going to happen? I was was 19 years old, you know, but immediately people appreciated me for that. Right. Immediately people in Harlem were like, oh shit, like you're just this little kid in Harlem. And they're like, invited, like, come over, come with us. Like, come, let's do this. Let's you know, probably not a good idea. But I had, you know, the the, the oh, that's a great fierce, idea, man. fierceity that's a great and the idea. naivety. That's, need, that's what it's that's what it is, though. Right. You know? So it's like if you if you if you say, all right, fuck everything, like, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to all yeah. you know all communities, you know, and that's and that's you know hardworking people, you know, comics do that or performers in general they they just don't stop. They go, yeah. you know. So you know, and that and 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 that will bear fruit, you know. That's, as opposed to L.A., like you can go and mic like six mics in a night, every single night here, if you want. You know, you can hone your stuff. But also, I think this is a, a city that, if you want to, only do it halfway. You know, I I right. I'm, I'm a classic underachiever. Right. I have underachieved so hard. The amount of what I could do compared to what I, you know, I, you know, I just want to watch Nailed It. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, if you, if you are, if you are unconsciously comfortable with being an underachiever, there's this is also a city that will keep you in those doldrums. You know right. what I mean? There's I, I know you know communities where, as you know, I won't point them out but I, you know certain mike i, I like I, I i my refrain was if you can make it here you can make it here you know what i mean like it's like really i see people from like seven years and like we're all in the same room doing the same same thing just for each other for you know what i mean and like that's kind of beautiful but it's also kind of lame you know what i mean so that's my only point is that like it's a city where if you if you if you are gunning for it you can you can do it, but there's also a lot of opportunities to just have have have, have a low level validation, right? And you have your job, and you and you and you and you play your guitar, you do your little thing, and that that could just be it for you, and you know that's fine, but it it's also kind of lame, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of you know stuckness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it. And I definitely spent a lot of time there myself, you know, and I don't know, like I I think it is like just just do it. And like the idea of like push yourself out of your comfort zone. Really that's all cracking the code is. It's like go like go to the places like and go on the adventure you know mm-hmm. um yeah uh so what do you so you have the mic like kind of you said you feel like you're back where you started in a way um when you got here what do you what do you feel now about where you're going well, and what you want to I- do Here's the thing, I, you know, part of me feels that I'm living my wife's dream vicariously, and maybe she would hate that, but, you know, the footlight is, is really the, the more detailed, practical dreams that you have as a part of that, of that organism, of that 
platform that you want to execute there, it only benefits the, the footlight more and you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so a lot of what I w I'm doing, I, I guess would just be like trying to envision stuff to do there. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, and part of me just wants to find a, a hermit life. You know what I mean? Why can't I just, why do I have to, why do I have to do stuff? Why do I have to be a, a comedian? You know, another thing I was thinking is that if you're not like a, you know, like a, like a successful as a comedian, why would you ever say that you're a comedian? My God, if you're a funny guy, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, yeah, see Tim over there? Ah, oh, he's a funny guy. You know, ah, oh, you know, he's whatever. You know, as soon as it's like, oh, Tim the comedian, everyone's like, oh, all right, prove it. Prove it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather not be a comedian because then I still have, oh, yeah, it's just nice energy. You know, whereas, like, oh, you think you can do this? You know, and people flip on you. You know what I mean? This is crazy. Yeah. Um, But what I meant, like, I, I, I just... It's all about writing. It's all about writing. Everyone is doing the, the you know, music or, or, or plays or even dance. It's all about the, 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 the preparation and, 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 and the working it out and the process. So I guess what I mean when, you know, I'm, I'm starting to feel like I can go back to the, as a yeah. writer. It was, yeah. it was, you know, everything came out of that. Everything performative came out of just me sitting and 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 doing generative yeah writing f forever you know so i feel like but i'm such a my brain is so scattered and i have so many notebooks all like 65 to 70 percent completed and you know only now do, am, do i have i'm able to sort of systematize it you know what i mean and uh uh yeah i'm like a word hoarder you yeah. know, you do that. You hoard all of the yeah. things you've ever made. And I have a, a bunch of, yeah, fifty to seventy-five percent completed journals myself, like laying around. Um, yeah. Do you think if we just burned them all, it would be better? Uh, well, you know, I have a new puppy. Yeah. Um, uh oh. And she chewed one of them up, like, and it's like, but it was like one of those things where it's like, I was mad, and I was looking, I was like. She didn't get it all, but I think she ate like a page, and I'm like, man. Probably the better like, better ideas yeah. were like more tasty. And, you know. But it gave me it. <laughs> it made me angry. It made me frustrated. It made me sad, and it also gave me peace in a way. Like, well, that's gone now. Like, right. you know, like, well, I can move on from that right page. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Yeah. Totally. Um, and also, like recently, I've started writing again too, and it's like, um, yeah, man. Like, it's funny. Like for artists, have you ever heard the artist way? Yes. Yeah. Um, one of the main exercises, and it's like the artist way is for any type of artist or right. any type of person who's wants to just kind of live a more fulfilled life. And one of the 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 main um, key component of the book is that you're supposed to write three pages every day when you wake up mm -hmm. and yeah, there's something about it. Like there's something about writing. Um, when I was in school, 
I took a writing class and basically like writing, it's a way to organize your thoughts. So if you have these brains, these artist brains that can be all over the place and full of ideas all the time, yeah, writing can help kind of channel that energy and yeah. focus it, you know? So Sure, yeah. Well, I think primarily like for, I, I think that people who are not artists, any, any person, the benefit of waking up, going to a place and writing the date yeah. and the location of the place and then having some account. And, and, and all of, most of my writing is just like, I'm hungover, I'm at the coffee shop, blah, 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 I have to go right. to work. You know, even that, but like, for me, you know, fundamentally, like, if I do that uh, consistently enough, then I start to feel like I have a hold on the narrative of, you know, I, you know well, if I even, don't... Even the hungover thing, like, it's like when you do that, it changes your perspective on it. It's yeah. Like, okay, you're and like, then why? Why am I, you know, if, and then if you go back and you're like, wait a minute, this is a whole week of this. What am I doing with my life? Yeah. But, but my point is that if you don't do that, then you have this sort of moment of, of, of cosmic vertigo uh, where you're like, what have I been doing for the last uh, three weeks? And, you, and you, there's no record of it, you know what I mean? So I think it's important just to have... Uh, you know, uh, a, a, a record, any kind of record, and yeah. then just to just to bore yourself. That's a. I just want to point out that that's not you or I's uh, phone. That's right. an intercom. Um, I, want, I don't know if I can deactivate that. Um, it's weird because that's not for. That's not for here. Huh. <laughs> like, I don't know. Anyway, sorry. That's okay. You know, but also it's like you, you write and then you, I think it's important to get bored by your own voice yeah. and then try out a different, you know, I think it's just like write all the banal stuff out and then, and then you're like, is that it? And then you'll sit there and then, and then you'll like come with like some joke or something because you've got, you have to get, you have to get the lead out. No, I mean, that's horrible, but you know what I mean? You have, no, to, get, I, you have I, to get it out in order to be at some sort of point of stasis yeah. from which like actual material materializes, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I think people that advocate like meditation also are talking about, it. it's like still your mind. It's like, a still your mind, um, be a empty vessel. Like it's like, if you have too much turmoil in the vessel, mm. then it's hard for there to be room for more things to come in. Like, or for, or if there's too much chaos in the vessel, I guess new things can come in, but you won't like, you'll miss them, you know, yeah. you'll, you'll miss the thing because, because you're, you're too preoccupied with bullshit. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, do you, do you meditate? Um, I, I've tried it out before. Um, I, do like yoga. Um, and I also recently have started, uh, training martial arts again, mm. which both things are, I think meditation par excellence. Yeah. I don't think there's any difference between, I think the entire purpose of med of yoga is to, is to facilitate the body to allow the mind to yeah. meditate. I think there's no, no difference. Yeah. You know? I agree. Definitely. But I, I also feel like some of the, the ideology of of 
meditation that I hear I take issue with, you know, because I'm like, I'm not like meditator, but like, I like do it and I've done it for a long time with no, you know, no school. I just do it. And I kind of made up my own thing about it. But like this, you know, when people say like, you know, just find peace or like, you know, there's sort of these, 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 you know, uh, uh, I don't know, this sort of like, okay, now we're, meditating and 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 clear the mind and focus on the breath it's 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 corny to me like what you know when i'm meditating it's i think the difference for me and people 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 think that 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 they should that they should let themselves be at peace i think that you should let yourself be in chaos Mm -hmm. you know what i mean when i'm meditating my breath is not in it i just i just recognize that my whole shit is fucked up. My whole breath is constricted. You know, I mean, and it's like almost like letting yourself like have the panic attack that you've been fighting, been fighting against, yeah. and and being okay with that. You know what I mean? Being okay with the chaos of your mind and the irreg- irregularity of your breath. That's why, I like, do you know Buto? It's a yeah. It's I, Japanese um, movement uh, post uh, post Hiroshima dance movement, yeah. where it's like you sort of embody the destruction, the the self decay. I think that there's something to be gleaned from that, very uh, positively for everybody, because that's especially in the city. That's we all like kind of harbor that that sort of the 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 corrosiveness or the sickness of the, you know, and, and that, that we need to, we need to get it out. We need to let it out as if you like let out like a Bogart or something, you know, that's meditation for me. It's like, is like unraveling the tight knot that, that, you know, that is building up, you, you know, it's some, something like, like this. So it's, you know, th- I guess that's why I take issue with people's idealizing it because for me, it's has such a, practical value you know i mean if i don't do it i'm i I feel psychotic you know what i mean so like that's why i do it i don't do it because i want to you know be in in harmony with the universe per se because i don't know what that would mean to be in harmony with the universe you know what i mean like it's it's strictly you know pragmatic yeah yeah i'm with it i'm with it um do you do uh, any other like type of writing? Like, have you ever done uh, like narrative writing? Uh, I made. I, I I I went to. I came here to go to college to study writing. Although, I'm you know was, I never like really like. I have. I think I have some poems on paper that 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 I would still stand by. Uh, but then I also wrote some short stories. They they were. They were strange. They were sort of between poems and short stories. More like sort of like, like vignettes, like scenes of like one per glimpses into someone's life, like super short story. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, like the 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 writing breaks down. It's between you know, strictly uh, almost masturbatory, expository writing, journaling or di- diarying or whatever that, you know, there's that. And then there's, there's the, 
writing for comedy, which is its own thing, which is like, you know, you have the title of the joke and then you have some of the key points or you try to write out the whole thing as if it were a monologue. And then, you know, and I've never, never really figured that out. I've never figured out. I think it can be extremely funny and not figure out how to write a joke. You know what I mean? And I think that was a struggle unto death is the right way to do it. You know what I mean? The like, right way to write a joke? The, no, well, to the right process to, to take something from an idea, use paper, work it through, and then have it, then have it become something. Because, of course, like other people are involved. You could, you could do that solipsistically all you want, but until you breach the gap of other people. <laughs> yeah. You so know, you, when you write jokes... Or like when you're writing for like comedy, like for your material, right? Um, do like how do you kind of like try to write out like the like punchline, like the jokes, like with the punchlines and everything? You know, like what I guess what I'm asking is, um, I know there are some comedians that don't really have punchlines at all, ever. Like that, it's kind of. Sp- situational like they have funny ideas and then they just kind of talk through them like uh one one who's kind of like that i think is george carlin is more like he's less punchline and more funny idea like you know what i mean it's not one yeah punchline usually it's like a whole idea with like there's little like there's comedic elements through the entire idea right. and there's like a a full thought that's like yeah. a funny idea, but it's not like one line. Like, you well, know? He, yeah, well, he's really adept at making the bit as elastic as it can be. You know, yeah. like I remember one when he's talking about like, you ever have that feeling when you, when there's one more step, but you didn't expect it, and you're, hmm. or when you're when the, where or or when you thought you've come to the end step, and there's one, and the, you know what I mean. And then he just, he'll, you know, but but Carlin was he wrote he, the whole thing he was wrote, written out. Yeah. You know, he also knew how to use pot in the service of comedy. You know what I mean? He'd write everything out at night, no pot. He'd take one hit of the pot when he was rewriting in the morning. So all the stuff was already there. And just huh. like, a, just, I think that mis- people misuse the pot. They think that it's, it's doing great things for their, their, they their, do it the their comedy. Way. But there's a, there's a window, you know? About twenty minutes or something, and you're lucid, and then and then you're just like a like a stuffed bear or something. You know, yeah, you, you, it's not. You, it's it's done. Yeah, I don't know. But um. But yeah, yeah. Usually, I'll just have. You know, it's not like I like I, I never I, I never wanted to do comedy really, but I but at some point I was just like have ideas. This is yeah. So you know, start with with the with the punchline and that's all I really got is the punchline, you know, and, and, uh, and try to work backwards from that. Oftentimes in the shower, you know, a lot of people like singing and I can't understand people singing in the shower. I just groan and like occasionally think about jokes, you know, which I think is way more productive than singing. Uh, I would disagree. Um, singing in the shower is, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's, uh, does great things. Um, no, actually, though, singing, like, if you're a singer, one of the best places to sing is the shower. No, because I of the, yeah, the acoustics are, are The good. acoustics and, like, the moisture in the air and, like, um, yeah, just all kinds of 
reasons. Yes. It's probably so, good for your vocal Yeah, cords. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah. Nah, the shower's an interesting... Is an interesting place for, like, ideas. Probably something about it, man. Like yeah. Being in, like, being in the element of water, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you, got, you got the piece of paper outside... And then you think of something, and you get it, and you get the, all everything's so wet. Yeah, yeah. The papers, you know, you got the wet paper. It's interesting though, um, thinking of kind of uh, alcohol and drugs and the tradition of those things with like the artist, like meditation. You know, there's like healthier ways of of doing it too. But um, mm. yeah, like even shower in a way like is like a it's mind altering in a way like you know what i mean like if you're kind of having a if you're hung over like a day mm-hmm. um and you're not really engaged you hop in the shower in the like sh- it changes yeah. it it alters your mind like a little bit you know yeah um we yeah. probably shouldn't hop in there yeah, True. unless you got one of those sticky mats or something i used to i don't don't anymore actually right now that's Something valuable time. stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you can close your eyes, and then you just become like this speck in a in a, in a universe. You get the sort of the. I used to do that. I would I would lie in bed, and this I I don't know if anyone else ex- experiences that. I'd, I'd close my eyes, and and it was as if I was the most minute speck floating away from the earth and then I just float further and I'm like and and I'd have to like check myself like am I still I think that's a transcendental meditation like that's like what people are that's like the idea of it is that right um yeah I mean I think that's a great thing to do but like, it's like but it's a thing that like would happen to me like when I was got you out of it and it was at once like the best feeling and also horrifying because I felt literally like, what is, what do I don't even, where, what is my body? I had, you know what I mean? Yeah. I had that happen actually when like the, that experience, um, when I was like 13, one time, like extreme, like you ever see the movie contact? Yes. Um, which was before the kind of redid contact recently with, uh, Matthew McConaughey in a way, right. the movie he did. Another like uh, interstellar, interstellar, interstellar. Yeah, it's some of the same ideas that con contact. Contact had in a way, was actually. better. Yeah, I liked contact better. Um, but like the beginning where the camera or whatever the perspective zooms way out, like to the vast like yeah regions of the universe. Like you know, it starts with whoever the person's perspective is. I think Jodie Foster's, and then goes way out to like where you see the earth and then you see the solar system. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, galaxies yeah. yeah. This is and a, just zooms way, way. That's the back. feeling. Yeah. Like, and, and it's like your, my experience of it was there was a part of me that was aware that I was like laying in my bed, but my perspective was not in my body. It was like self, self-aware. That's not the right word. Or like higher self-aware. I don't know, like universally aware at the moment. And it's like, and it was such a vivid thing. And when I came back, like, like I kind of think, think it in a way it's like a, 
sort of like a, almost like a, not a death experience, but like kind of a beyond experience. Right. You do not feel like you have a a physical body or exist, exist in the sort of temporal plane. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It gives me peace, like to to think about that. Like um, Neil deGrasse Tyson kind of talks about that a lot. Like he's, well, he doesn't even like to be called like an atheist, and I don't consider myself an atheist. Um, I'm probably more like I I don't know, man. I guess I don't like. I also don't like the late like the extreme labels of perception. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but. Neil deGrasse Tyson definitely he's a believer of science um and so he doesn't necessarily believe in like god in the traditional sense yeah. or at all yeah um to me i guess where i think i differ is like i kind of i believe in science but i also believe that the traditional idea of god doesn't necessarily have to contradict science right. like it could be that universal connection of all things, which Neil deGrasse Tyson right. and science, like scientists acknowledge that we're all part of the universe. You know what I mean? Like that right. we're all connected. Um, and to me, that's, that gives, it gives me peace in a way too. Like with all the chaos, all the bad things going on, all the, like, it's like, it doesn't fucking matter, man. We're, we're, you know what I mean? We have a great opportunity to be aware of this life and this world that we're living in and with the, these other conscious beings mm. in this place and time. Right. Like it's great to be here right now. And it's great to have this conversation with you. Yeah. And it's great to be in New York city and like have the opportunity to do art and like yeah. express ourselves. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, we're like, this is a, it's not even a blink of an eye. It's not a snap of the fingers. It's like, it's nothing in yeah. the vastness of space and time. Um, you know? Yeah. So it's like, so then like with that, it's like, hopefully find peace in that. And like, don't be a fuckhead while you're here. Like yeah. try to do some good things. You yeah. Know? Yeah. They, I mean, I, I take issue with, religion exactly at the point where it tries to divide uh, uh, yeah well to to capitalize on and sort of obfuscate that direct relationship yeah. to 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 the chaos and the beauty of consciousness when it you know i mean i think you know like the history of religion is is the history of human consciousness you know you, you know what they say like the, the the only true atheist is the religious scholar because i feel like you know atheism taken from a certain perspective is it becomes it just, dogmatic too like it becomes its own like people get dogmatic with that too. yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I i i call that kind of a, a weak atheism like a reactive atheism like if you had you don't. You didn't like your Catholic upbringing, and now you staunchly, God doesn't exist. You know, but you're still in the. You're still trapped in the sort of false dialectic of 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 uh, uh, of God does exist. God doesn't exist. Right. Whereas, whereas you know, I think a more responsible atheist 
atheist humanist or is, is someone who says, all right, whether or not God exists, there are more pressing ways to be a human on this earth right. here and now. There are more, you know what I mean? And, and taking, you know, and, and, there's, and there's a whole way of validating scripture and validating the, the tradition, uh, you know, of, of religion from, from a critical distance. Yeah. You know, and then in that, in that you know, the, the, the move from polytheism to monotheism is the history of, you know, society and human consciousness more than it is the true gospel. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like um, one of the biggest religions and divisive and controversial and everything, um, Christianity, um, whether you believe Jesus existed and miracles happened or not, like whether you believe it or not, like if you look at what like the depiction of Jesus in the Bible, what he said, what his message was, his message was never about that you should worship him. His message was about living your life yeah. and being kind to people. And, yeah. you know, it was like, right. there's some valuable, there's a valuable message right. there. Right. Um, but instead, again, like you talk about, like the whole religion comes about worshiping him versus like actually applying like the the lessons and the message to your own life like and that's that's like the that's the shame of i think um the divisiveness that's the shame of religions i feel is like for all of the ills that a lot of them have caused and um perpetuated and flamed division like just for all of the bad and there's a lot um i i like most religions like if you read them and if you like read them a certain way like and listen to like what the underlying message is Mm. like for yourself i think you'll find most of them (laughs) deliver like the same message and it's like about how you should live your life and it's not about worshiping that religion it's about how you treat other people mainly that's like the main point is about like being kind to people, mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, being no, compassionate and being caring about people, you know, yeah, because no, you're, absolutely. you're connected to them because, um, if there's a God, then you're all, you're all one people. We're not divided tribe, like even right. different tribes. You're still, if there's a God, which you say you believe in, um, all the different tribes of the earth are like, it's all one people ultimately, you know? So, uh. yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, Zizek's reading of Christ on the cross is that with Jesus dying on the cross, God himself dies as, as, as the ultimate symbolic, uh, authority. Uh, His reading is that, you know, when, when, you know, when Jesus says something like when, when three or more of you together are together to his disciples, I am also there, you know, and, and, and the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is, is the responsibility of Jesus's followers to continue on without the guarantee of 
of After God, and you know, with and under the, with the knowledge that 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 God is a fallible God, that 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 the 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 security of the overriding uh, symbolic power of God has been fissured, has been cracked, and it is now their responsibility to to you know to create a universal meaning on their, you know what I mean? It's very yeah. interesting. Reading and who, I, so who is that? Zizek. Zizek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. It's, I don't know. Zizek, you know, is is uh, people love to hate him. Slovenian uh, cultural theorist, philosopher. Uh, uh, his his seminal work was sort of a blending of of uh, Marx uh, reading of reading of capitalism through this guy Jacques Lacan and also Zizek is a Hegelian scholar, you know, so it's this sort of trifecta in the sublime object of ideology, which was his sort of breakthrough book in 1989 or so. And, um, say the name of that again, the sublime, uh, the sublime object of ideology. Okay. Uh, but really I think what he's doing is trying to, do a sort of diagnostic of of where ideology, how it functions today, how it how it functioned in sort of the heyday of capitalism, and then he's one of many philosophers who are trying to wrap their heads around what is happening now in late capitalism and how we are affected as sh- subjects. What is happening? you know what what and and also where's the end game i mean that's the real question yeah. it's like things can't go on like this you know the the system that's, you know what i mean that's my question like for right because we're at the, the question and we're at we're at that question right now the late late stage capitalism is dist- it's self-destructive like yeah. it's stupid um <laughs> yeah um, it's funny because, uh, Alexandria, the woman who just won the, um, God damn it, man. Every time I've talked about her on here several times and I always space on her full name. Um, but she just won, she upset the incumbent. Um, and she's like a democratic socialist. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she's, so it's like, there's a big debate within the DNC and it's going back and forth and like. I'm definitely on the side like that the DNC, if they want to survive, I could care less. Like really, I'm like, we can fucking start something new or like just fuck the two party system. That's right. where, that's where I'm at. I'm like more about like an independent and not because I'm not a centrist at all. Right. But like, um, I don't think that because you're a Democrat, you represent me, especially if you're a right. centrist, especially if you're like super beholden to like corporate interests. I'm not with it. Um, and basically like some of the articles, like I've shared some things on Facebook and it's like one of them's that like people in the Midwest and like the Rust Belt and like, um, some of the areas that people thought Hillary was going to win and that Trump won. Yeah she lost because 
people are struggling in, in certain places. And some art, some people are writing articles that like people are actually hungry for like more of like democratic socialism. Yeah. I mean, this is Bernie is, he just drove everything. Bernie is like his, his level of simplicity of his message. He's like one old, uh, children's book. That's, yeah. you know what I mean? And he says the same thing over, but it's not, I'm not knocking it for it because it's <laughs> exactly. the thing to say, you know, exactly. Uh, you know, it, it. The irony is that only through socialism, only through a a examination of communism, really, in the sense of who you know, the 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 people, the commons, you know, rediscovering themselves as a people, can democracy be saved? Because there was always the germ of democratic socialism, D- democracy was always democratic socialism. Right. I mean, not always, but, you know, we we made the welfare state happen. We made infrastructure. We made roads without roads being sponsored before roads were sponsored by Kmart or whatever the fuck is happening now. You know what I mean? So, so that this is not something imposed on democracy. This is, this is trying to get the kernel of, you know... But by being radical just means what what was it that you always were that you, you know what I mean like a democratic party without dem- right. democratic socialism is not a demo- there is no democratic exactly. party par excellence well so if you don't have that then you just have this wishy you know you don't there's they are not unified you know what I mean yeah and well, some people get mad at me and they're more centrist and they're playing like this political game, like, oh no, like don't use it. And it's like, you, like, you don't have to fine. Like if you, you're not comfortable talking about it, but it's like, we need to talk about it. And you, if you feel like if you have centrist beliefs, fine, that's your, you know what I mean? You can believe what you want to believe, but yeah, like in order for the democracy to work, there have to be, especially when you have extreme like right wing people like like gaining power. Like I'm talking extremists, mm-hmm. like on the right. Yeah, you have to have extreme. Like the only way it works is if you have like a counterbalance. Right. If the DNC keeps going center, like you're, it's just strengthening the right. Like. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, in Star Wars, like you couldn't, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't take down, you know, the Emperor with Barney. You yeah. know what I mean? You need, you need, you need Luke. You know, Bernie. I mean? <laughs> we need Bernie, not Barney. Yeah, <laughs> Bernie, not Barney. Exactly. That's 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 what it is. And and to not make that that move, that's why you know, Bernie only has so many hairs, and he's still. Tearing them out when they saying, "Look, you you know, look at the freaking numbers." Yeah, you, this is this is what people unequivocally want. Want? Yeah, they're freaking out. You know what I mean? And 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 they want someone to throw them a bone and not and and not you know lie to them, but like lie in this kind of casual, omissive way. You know what I mean? That's why they focus. That's why they believe Trump. Because he's a more convincing, he's he's an extremist right. liar. Yeah, you know what I mean. And Bernie, I think, is an extreme truth teller. And, and I feel like Hillary's somewhere 
in in between you don't it, it's hard to for me it was hard to really get a grasp on you know mostly i felt like she was she was building her campaign in relation to bernie everything was comp- compromised so you say you, you know we must have $11 an hour she say okay my platform will do 950 you know what i mean right. like like everything was like how do i how do I compromise so that I can win? Because my which home- is so fucking weak. Like it's just a weird logical thing. It's like okay, so nine fifty. So you, first of all, you weren't having that conversation before. Then okay, you could do nine fifty. So why the fuck can't you do eleven? You know why can't you know what I mean? The yeah. money's there. Like the resources are there. Right. So why don't you fight like for the people? That's like that's my big frustration with the DNC. Is like they're supposed to be the ones. Right. fighting for the people supposedly right and and, and uh, i mean i'm not i don't you know i'm an ignoramus but what i what i hate is that this this opposition to doing the impossible you know which is free health care you know what i mean it's it, no, it's impossible it's going to cripple the country this is people you know what i mean first of all that's that's a farce but sometimes the impossible is the only thing that is that is crucially necessary sometimes you have to do the impossible because the other option as it's happening is a, is 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 a horrendous it's a horror show that's what's happening in this country you know what i mean i'm here talking with you i could get the flu tomorrow i'm fucked yeah you know what i'm saying and we're all fucked you know so so the so the alternative to doing the impossible is is a kind of hell on earth that we're already living or just sort of like waiting until we were going to have to face it. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. It's so easy to talk about fun things and writing process. And then all of a sudden, at some point, you're going to come against the country as it is. And we're all like in total avoidance of it. And then once you start thinking about one thing that is happening now, it's like a bricolage it's it's the house of cards crumbling in in, in you know mind, you know but so with that like i think fucking keep writing keep doing your like pro like keep doing and i and i i mean that i don't i'm not joking keep like doing the process keep doing what you're supposed to do because we need people to like be the their best selves so that they can be in the fight like for for the world, you know what I mean? Mm. So keep writing, keep doing your process, keep meditating, like keep striving. Right. Like don't lose your hunger for right. your thing. And and even though like, yeah, in the face of like, it, it seems, it might not seem important, but it is because it's like that thing that you're supposed to do, like that's your story and your yeah. story can mean something if you, if you make like if you right. work hard at it, it'll mean something. You know what I took that really that that made me think that that gave me uh, that I took heart at was when all these when when Trump is going to you know Europe and and all around and all of these uh, protesters and they're they're you know they're picketing our issues. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're you know more or less like they're like we see what's going on. They're on. Our side, and right. I know this is like a simple thing to see, of course, but I'm like, I'm like, wow, like it's not that you hate Americans, it's that you, 
you have love and sympathy for Americans and, and, you know, so I think, yeah, I think that's also important is to show the rest of the world as Americans that, you know, to keep telling them this, like, this is, this is not normal. You know, this is not the status quo. This is not who we are. Uh, you know, yeah, but but you're right. It's 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 important to, in the face of the gloom and doom, to keep doing what you're doing. But it's very what's so daunting about it is that there's so many angles of of treachery. There's you know how do you how do you make the poem or the piece or the or the work or the, or the expository or the, the prose to begin to counteract that you know um one thing on that i think is it's by being prolific because it's not like it's like you know what i mean people when you think of artists and when you think of uh people when you think of like great minds throughout history like these people um the author you mentioned earlier like people are known for certain works but those works are always part of like a lifetime of work yeah. you know what i mean yeah, so yeah. It, so it's it is about the process it's about each thing just doing it like you know what i mean tap dancing and putting on like you don't know where that idea is gonna lead mm -hmm. but it'll lead somewhere if you do it versus if you have the idea to tap dance and put on lipstick and it just stays an idea it's right. never shared that's when it doesn't go anywhere. But as long as you like, you put it into action, put it on paper, right? Um, perform it, it. It leads somewhere. Like it does. It, it might lead to your next piece, but you can't write that. Like the next piece that happens after you do that other piece, that next piece that followed the piece before, doesn't happen if you don't do the piece before. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's why you have to just keep keep doing it. I agree with that. But to be some sort of contrarian or devil's advocate or something, I think that there are some people, and I'm, I know I'm guilty of this to a certain degree, or at least I think I am, who sometimes doing art or doing what we think is art can be a, a, a shield against politics or it can be not in the service of... of uh, being woke as you were. I think, you, you know I what think I'm that's saying? okay like, though. Like I, I think it's okay because I think it's still, um, it might not be directly in the service of being woke. It might be a distraction in a way, but it's, it's, I don't think it's a distraction. Like if you're doing something right, like whatever it is, like a distraction. Yeah. Like when you spend all your time on Netflix and video yeah, games, what I was just thinking yeah. that, that, yeah. But also I think sometimes, you need a certain amount of of that too. Like, just don't let it be all of your time. Right. You know? Well, I guess like if you're if you're doing, if you are out doing something with people, then that is menially more of the commons exactly. than being this sort of uh, lemming of the screen, if you will. You know yeah. what I mean? At least you're having a com commune with with people on some level, which in this, you're having day, church, like we talked yeah. about earlier, like, you know, the fellowship with people, you know, connecting. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And also like, it could be like, you don't, you never know. Like I, I think art is so important, like, um, for a lot of different reasons. Of course I'm, you know, biased, um, cause I, you know, love art personally, but, um, I think it brings people together, you know, like that's what it does and you never know. So like your show, um, just being out and doing things with people and like collaborating with others and, you know, encouraging other people to do their thing. Um, you never know like who, what it means to somebody else, like what somebody else could be going through. Um, and you can sometimes you'll never know, but like you can sometimes pull people off of the ledge. Like they're very close, you know, to the ledge and Mm -hmm. that moment gives them something to, you know, hold on for a little longer. So Mm -hmm. it's important, man. Yeah. Um, so, uh, when and how and where, uh, like the comedy show, um, yeah. Uh, okay. So every every Monday, uh, whose mic is it anyway? Uh, at the Footlight, uh, eight thirty. Try to get started by eight thirty. Everyone gets six minutes. It's a free show. You know, buy drinks if that's what you're into, or orange juice if that's what you're doing. Get some some vitamin C. You know, whatever 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 you like. Um, and then directly after that, we do uh, karaoke. It's really fun. My friend Shailene does it. Shout out to Shailene. Um, and, uh, and yeah, uh, doing stuff at the Footlight all the time, a lot of music, a lot of comedy going through there. I think this, coming up on the 21st, I believe, next Saturday, I think this, not, not um, today, but next Saturday is going to be our two-year anniversary. Nice. So uh, that should be, uh, should be fun. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, well, congratulations. We haven't made well. it there yet, but I, I, yeah. I think we will. I have faith that you know, this will, will still be open in one week. Yeah. Nice. Um, and where's the best place for people to find out more about you? Man, that's tough. You really got to dig. You got to dig it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I could, uh, Tim Shea 101 on Instagram, really. I put on a bunch of stuff on there to follow me on there. Yeah. To to be announced, nice. The next the next thing, you know. Cool. Uh, and I'll put the links to uh, to your Instagram and I guess Footlight's Instagram. Is that a good? Yeah, that's perfect. We we all of our events every night we we update the the Instagram uh, a lot. I like Instagram better than Facebook. It's I'm it drains getting me into less. It. Yeah, like it's. Yeah, I'm getting into it a little bit. Also, um, for promotion and stuff, it's way better. Face, Facebook, in lieu of this, of giving away millions of people's information, they're like, "All right, now we're just going to make this, you know, more the algorithm more, you know, just between basically make it less of a, a useful platform for for promoting your venue or your show or whatever." But Instagram, which is also I think owned by Facebook, uh, is is better for that. More people see it so i like it better yeah also i like watching all the skate videos i wish everyone just posted i wish the whole world was just brilliant skateboarders and that's all they posted yeah do you skateboard still i do yeah yeah nice my brother does i don't think you met my brother i don't think i did either was, he was here um when it was still life cafe oh okay um, but yeah he does comedy too oh um, cool i didn't know that yeah music 
It's cool, dude. Huh. Shout out to Michael. Um, well, yeah, man. Um, great talking with you. Is there uh, anything else you want to talk about? Is there anything else that I want to talk about? Yeah. Nobody, nobody reads uh, poetry anymore. I feel like, and that was, you know, and people, even people who write or, or presumably write poetry don't really read it. And, and I don't think... You mean out loud or... No, just like the whole, you know, con- the, the whole mind, you know, you know that novels used to be like a novel would come out and, and it would change the whole, the whole meta social structure. Everyone would know it. Everyone, or, and, and there was a time when everyone had, you know, verses, you know, Keats and Yeats and all this shit memorized. And, the, and, that, and what that does to the mind versus the minds that we have, you know, I feel, like, I feel like it is a really subversive gesture to, to try to reprogram your mind in, in some sort of maybe nostalgic way, you know, where you have these poets' voices and their cadence memorized, but that, that you know, really what's happening now is that people's mental space is, 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 a, is a commodity, is, is, you know what I mean? The, the, and also trying to deactivate people's minds working at the functioning that they possibly could is in the interest of, you know, the establishment, if you will, or whatever, you know, people being just looking at this and that, that and, and going to the supermarket and deciding which kind of soda they want or whatever, you know, like th- this, this meaningless cyclical mental activity, you know, we gotta, we gotta pop that bubble. So, you know, I don't know. I just, just want to break my fucking phone, man. Like I do. I wonder, um, I bet that, uh, that's part of the reason why hip hop is such a popular medium because it's like the one place where kind of poetry does exist still in pop culture. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, And people are, hungry for it because yeah you're right like people but, don't really read poetry other than that like i think that's like the one place this is fucking hard it's incredibly boring it's like it's like hitting your head against a a, a wall until you until you find a way to be interested in in it you know, it, you know uh, yeah so that, i guess that that would be it is like what what happened to that lost currency of 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 uh, uh, of words on the on on the page, you know what 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 the fuck is, what's going on, man? <laughs> you know, cool. Well, man, um, great talking with you. Yeah, this has been fun. This is I don't even know what happened. I think that some of my tiredness uh, leaked into a, a certain pattern of lucidity, and it was not entirely. Uh, uh, unwanted Uh, yeah i think i think we i think it i think it went well we'll see we'll see yeah that's right (laughs) um but thank you man absolutely yeah thank you so that was my conversation with tim shea from whose mic is it anyway at the footlet footlight bar in ridgewood um you can find the links to those uh in the show notes for this episode on bushwickvarietyshow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, yeah, I think it went well. Let me know what you thought. Let me know what you liked about it. Um, 
one of my favorite things uh, is when people actually let me know they're listening um, in person when I see them out and about in the city. Um, but online also, love to hear from you guys. Uh, if you're loving it, please subscribe, please rate, please review, please share it, and please, uh, you know, connect we connect me with the people that have uh, put me on, and you know, let's let's put each other on, and blah blah blah. Anyway, um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, keep doing your thing. Keep coming back here. I'll be here every Monday and Thursday with the recordings that I do in the Rack Shack, an all-inclusive lingerie store located here in Bushwick, Brooklyn, um, ran and owned and operated by my wife, Laura. Um, So anyway, thank you very much for listening. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. All right, peace. Jeffrey.